0: Oh, guys, this is like, I just want to say thank you so much for making time for this. Like, uh, I know you guys uh, all have children and like, (laughs) it's not easy breaking away for a little bit, um, especially to get on another Zoom call. So I just want to say thank you. And obviously, I love you guys a lot. Um, But yeah, thank you for being here. This is great. I'm
1: so glad that you invited us to do this. So like, I have a lot of words, but I'll save them. <laughs> oh, no worries, guys. And now,
0: here's the thing. Like, I purposefully didn't want to give you too much information because my heart with this whole thing is to have like a kind of just a personal, informal conversation with my friends. Because there's a time and a place, me and Doreen were talking about this a little earlier. There's a time and a place for the kind of like thought out, calculated answer. Um, and that's mm-hmm. wonderful. Like, that's really great. But I think there's something really important about um, just kind of a natural response of your personal experience. There's no right or wrong answers. There's no like, it's just like, Hey, this is, this is my experience. And I think it's, I think I love and respect um, all of you guys so much. And I just think I really want for me personally, this is primarily for me uh, for me personally to hear from you, your experience. And I just think it would be beneficial for other, to, other people to hear as well. So if you guys are cool with that. We can jump yeah. right. right on. Yeah. Okay, so let's just really quickly kind of start things off with you can share your name and mm-hmm. where you live and what keeps you busy. Just so if anybody does check this out, they they know, they know who's, who's who. So, let's, start, let's start with you, D.
2: Yeah, my name is Dorian. Um, I live in Temecula, Temecula, California. And uh, yeah, <laughs> what keeps me busy is... Um, my beautiful wife and my loving daughter. And yeah, it's um, about it, honestly. Like, that's what really keeps me busy. Work, of course, but I don't really call that busy. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: especially right now, huh? Yeah. Jack, you wanna roll?
3: Sure. Uh, my name is Jackie. I live in San Diego, California. And. Um, what keeps me busy during the week is I have three under 10. Uh, one that's about to be 10 in two weeks, which is crazy. Um, but yeah, that mainly keeps me busy.
2: Yeah. I can. <laughs>
0: that you know, putting leadership to a church with your husband, no big deal.
3: Oh, yeah. <laughs> no big deal. You know,
0: maybe that too. Honestly, faster. honestly. Leading churches is child's play compared, compared to staying home with kids. Let's just be real. Uh, Steve. Oh uh,
4: yeah. Oh, Steve. Oh, my bad. My bad. Um, yeah. So my name is Stephen Land. Uh, I'm about five X's up from. Uh, I call her Jack. So if I, it's Jackie, but I might say Jack because that's my sister right there. But I'm about five X's up from her here in San Diego a uh, member of Restored South Bay, staff member, and that's kind of what keeps me busy during the day is being on staff and serving and loving our people.
0: Love it, man. Johnson's.
5: Yeah, I'm Gabriel Johnson. Um, keeps me busy is uh, three little ones and one more on the way soon. I know. <laughs> um, and uh, work, really. So, um, yeah, I live in Temecula. And uh, we're members of Resports Method.
1: Yep. And I'm Erica Johnson, his wife, all the things he said. I homeschool. So our kids are six, four, two, and soon to be new. So we'll have four, (laughs) six and under. (laughs) You're like, are you two or three weeks away, right? Like three to four, yeah. Okay, that was close enough.
0: Yeah. You're ready to go, man. You're ready to go. I love it.
1: Okay. Well, perfect
0: guys. Like just to kind of give context, the purpose with this whole kind of conversation, like my goal really is I really want to gain some understanding of the experience of being black in America. Um, now, because here's, here's the thing. Like I think the greater understanding that someone has myself included here, I think it's going to lead to greater empathy. And I think empathy ultimately will promote unity, and that's that's my heart with this whole thing. So again, just gain some understanding of your personal experience, um, that hopefully then will lead, lead to. I'm certain it will lead to some empathy. That man, that can be catalytic to promote unity. So I think the time of the timing of this conversation is is totally appropriate, um, with the recent murders of George Floyd, um, and even even recently Ahmaud Arbery. Um, I remember this is fairly new to me. Um, I, I, remember a few years ago, uh, when something similar happened to Eric Gardner or Garner. And, uh, and I remember it was the first time I ever kind of came face to face. Cause I could see it on, on a screen. Um, you'd hear things and there'd be things in the past, but I was just kind of more oblivious to it, honestly. Um, but I remember the Eric Garner thing really like it affected me, um, deeply and then I had a, um, a similar experience with, uh, excuse me, with um, with Ahmaud Arbery and then with George Floyd uh, a couple of days ago. I'm a little behind. I, I, I've i been off Instagram for a little while and my wife kind of, uh, she brought me up to speed and it was just like, man. So what I really want to do guys is just kind of have a bit of an informal conversation with my friends here, um, primarily for my own benefit, but I also think it really would be beneficial um, for anybody like that tunes into this thing, kind of they get the they get the the benefit of being the fly on the wall of our conversation. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, yeah. um, so that's the heart behind all this. So if you're cool with it, I just want to kick off with some maybe like conversation starters. You guys okay with that?
5: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Great. Mm-hmm. Okay. <clears throat> so um, first one, uh, in light of this kind of pattern that we're witnessing um, of of innocent black men kind of being singled out and then killed. So you as yourself, as a, as a black man or as a black woman, what are the emotions that you're experiencing personally with this? And I'm gonna open it up, so just round robin.
1: I can start. I Sometimes when these kinds of things happen, especially knowing that we're only seeing what either is reported in the news, um, but knowing that it's been going on for uh, centuries, (laughs) it can, you can sometimes as, for me, for me as a black woman, I can sometimes want to not see it. It's like, I wanna just have my day. (laughs) I'm busy enough as it is, let alone trying to like be some sort of activist, like, But with having three children, one more on the way, um, all so four out of the four, three of those will be boys, are are boys, and it has taken on new meaning to me. Uh, raising three black sons in this day and age, and like seeing the things that happen, and so for me, the emotion has been just like wrecked (laughs) um and heartbreaking to the point of weeping which that's not always my initial response sometimes it takes me a minute to like process what actually happened but with Ahmed a couple weeks ago and then George yesterday just weeping um because I can feel like what their mother's or sister or brother or family member might feel. And I know that like my kids aren't, or let alone my husband (laughs) is not exempt from that possibility happening to them. So it just takes on a new meaning, especially when you're a mother, um, to see innocent lives taken. And it's just, um, it's caught me off guard actually how emotional I have been. over it but I think it's a good thing because there was a period of time where I thought maybe like do I not feel things like not just about black lives but just there's so much devastation in the world and news that sometimes you can almost feel like you're desensitized to it unless you see it right in front of your face Um, but the fact that it led me to such a place of heartbreak, it was sad that that had to happen to bring that on but Encouraging in a sense of like, no, this is real, and like, this is actually how Jesus feels. Um, obviously, Him on a whole nother level because it's like these are His kids being taken. So, yeah, for me, it's just been heartbreak and like wrecked to the point of like not being able to function <laughs> for hours. Um, when the emotion hits, so no, I appreciate you being so candid, EJ. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I can totally just empathize with that. Um, I feel like it actually took me a while to watch the video of Ahmad Arbery being shot. Um, I just, I didn't want to see it again. Yeah. I didn't want to see it again. And, um, again, meaning not that I had seen his murder previously, but just in general seeing another innocent, black man or black woman being shot. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and when I did, it was just the same type of response. I'm not typically a very um, like externally emotional person, but it was just, it's just so devastating, so devastating and, and thinking, you know, the fear that he must've had in the last moments of his life. Um, it just, was really just heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah
5: for me it, it was just disappointment because it's like are we, are we here, here we go again this it's happening again um mm-hmm. I, I remember when i first read about arbery and then um, george floyd i was just like we're still dealing with this and that's i i like to think more highly of our country than that but I also know that's our that's in our past um and we're still healing from a lot of those wounds of the past um and we live in a broken world too so I you know as much as it, it disappoints me it, it's I also recognize it's kind of a reality we're going to continue to see bad things happen um but uh yeah that that just it, it's, it's just disappointing to me to, to continue to see that and then and of course, what it all—all it all the the uh, unrest that kind of ensues from all that, you know, the 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 rioting, the protesting, you know, both sides—it's just like, oh, wait, man, here we go again. Like it was, again, just just sheer sure disappointment for me.
2: Yeah, Gabe. Yeah, dang. Um, yeah. Um, hearing that just it's uh, really affecting me again, you know, just hearing you guys talk about it. Um for me, it's um it's not surprising. Um yeah, I'm shocked. Um I'm angry. Uh I'm I'm bewildered. Um and like 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 let's not get it twisted too. Like um in March it was uh Brianna uh Taylor got shot you know, inside of her home, you know, eight times, you know. Um, yeah, so as as a black male, um, scared, you know, um, I was I was blessed to drive around in a Lexus because my in-laws gave me this beautiful car. Um, but in back of my mind, I'm always like, when am I going to get stopped in this neighborhood or in this city or? If they say, you know, I'm in the wrong place at the wrong time, and I look like somebody that did this, um, so yeah, fear uh, strikes me as well. Um, but then um, there's this this reality of, of hope in Jesus that I just get extremely excited about because then we can embark on this um, awareness that leads us to um, going towards redemptive love, you know. And uh, so I get really pumped up about that as well. But at this point, you know, with everything going on and the civil unrest, um, it's I feel like, uh, um, like living my grandfather's life back in 1964. You know, um, it's it's treacherous. You know, but I do have the audacity of hope, and in Jesus. So. That's where I am.
4: Thanks, Steve. Yeah, man, Uh, for me, there's a lot of complex emotions and feelings. I think the prevailing one right now uh, is exhaustion, um, which has been something that's been said a lot from a lot of uh, people of color, but just really exhausted by um, everything that's seen. I, I don't personally haven't watched the video. Don't need to watch, I didn't watch mod's video. I don't need to watch another black man or a black woman get killed. I kn- I know what it, I know what it's like. Um, I didn't need to, like, we don't need to see that. Uh, I think, Tom, you were talking earlier about growing up and some of the things that really kind of brought your awareness, uh, like brought to the forefront some of the things that are real, but it's like, man, I through studying and just kind of knowing and seeing pictures of lynchings like I don't need the video to confirm what I know has been going on in America since day one, right? Uh, the treatment of people from the African diaspora. Um, like I don't need to be reminded of that and see that video uh, to have my heart broken. Um, I'm a parent too. So like, like all of us parents, um, it, it, it has gone from me, like I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted because I'm scared sometimes, or not sometimes, I'm scared all the time. Um, Mm -hmm. Because when you see everything that happens, when I see people being killed, I think, okay, then this is just another way they're going to kill a a Black person, right? Mm -hmm. You can't be at home. You can't be in your own home and then try to go to the door because somebody's walking in. Because then that could be a police officer thinking that that's your house. They're going to shoot you. Um, You can't be a, a licensed gun permit person carrier want to show the police officer that you got it, because then they're going to shoot you. Um, You can't tell them, hey, okay, then I might be wrong. Just take me to the squat car. They're going to keep kneeling on top of your neck until you die. You can't do anything. You can't leave the house. And so it's like that exhaustion I carry with me personally. But then I look at my son, and I just imagine all the things that he might experience that I experience having stuff thrown at you, being looked at as being less than human, being called the N word, and then that really begins to break my heart. Um, my, my again, uh, my hope does get to Jesus, but right now, I just I'm just in a state of just being exhausted and fearful because that's like that's our children. They're like our hearts walking outside of us. <laughs> And imagining that your heart is going to go through that again and that there's nothing that you can really do in that situation because my son may not be strong enough to to walk away when the people are looking at him like he's a dog. My son may not be strong enough to not to walk away when somebody is just throwing something at him when he's walking. My son might have a temper and might want to react. And then I got to see my son on the news. Like that that exhaustion of just all of that in my head for myself and for my son, like that, that scares me, um, just leaves me tired sometimes, um, or a lot, not sometimes, a lot of times. Um, but then, like, then there is the hope, like during you say, there is a hope when we get to have conversations, when brothers and sisters, allies like you, Tom, who reach out and wanna talk, like that brings that encouragement it brings me up out of that exhaustion but the initial response is always just like I'm not surprised I already know what I already know what it is out there it's just because here we go another confirmation
0: yeah <clears throat> yeah guys I um I think uh like for me growing up <clears throat> I mean I had parents that like we all do the best we can, you know? Um, and I had parents that did the best they could and they loved me, I knew they loved me. <laughs> and um, and I remember just instruction um, from my parents trying to give me wisdom about uh, staying safe and making wise choices and all that. Um, but one of the things that really stands out to me um, is the uniqueness of how you guys have to parent your children given the circumstances. Um, and to be honest, it, it, as an outsider looking in on the black community, it, it, it makes me really angry that you'd have to, like, I remember having a conversation with a friend um, <clears throat> and he was telling me that, uh, like his dad always told him, like, you cannot wear your hoodie, like you cannot wear your hood up in public. You can't, like his dad did not allow him to do that. Um, because like, my dad would never taught me, like I would, my, I never had a conversation like that with my father, Right. Um, and the reason I share that, I don't want to shift the focus onto me at all. The reason I share that is because I think there's, um, I'm going to use a word that I think some people will be offended by, but I think it's important. I think there's an ignorance. Um, and, and I think that there's like this negative connotation with that word ignorance. Um, and and, and, I, and I, it's, a, it's disappointing, but I mean, ignorance, it really just means like a lack of knowledge, a lack of information. And I know, I believe that you guys would agree with me, all of us on this Zoom call are ignorant to certain things. Like there's certain aspects of academics I am ignorant to. There's certain things about, uh, you know, uh, what my wife experiences as a woman that I am ignorant to. Like there's, there's all sorts of things that all of us um, are not informed about. So maybe, maybe a helpful question would be something like, um, from your experience, what are some things that people outside of the black community might be ignorant of? I mean, we already talked about how you have to raise your kids given the circumstances, but along that same vein, what are some things that people outside of the black community might be ignorant of that you, it might be helpful to have this conversation? And, and when I say that, like maybe they're uninformed or they're misinformed as to what the black community's experience has been and is currently.
2: Is that fair? Yeah, that's fair. Um, you guys want me to jump on this grenade? <laughs> Go for it. Tom, uh, Tom. Honestly, you put it uh, you put it very um, very well, and I, I think it is ignorance. Um, I also think the enemy actually uses ignorance and also pairs that with um, denial, and um, really tries to uh, further the the racial unrest and puts it into this darkness, you know? And that's the hope that we have in Jesus though, that you shine that light into the darkness, you know? And uh, I think with our white brothers and sisters, um, it's an opportunity to actually say, um, I am ignorant to this, but I'm, I'm not going to sit up here and deny that fact. I'm going to, um, um, get some education on this and try to have some certain amount of empathy towards my my black brothers and sisters but I think some of the um the things that we grow up with is like like my mom and dad used to tell me that I have to work at least four times harder than my white counterpart because I'm already coming into the system yeah. behind, you know um which mean I mean, I had that conversation when I was probably about six, seven years old with my mother and father, and um, they had it with my two brothers as well. You know, so um, I heard it when they told my older brother, and I heard it when they told my little brother, and I heard it when they told me. So I heard, I heard it three different times, and the reason behind that is because it's just uh, it's systemic, you know. So it's it's a system that's been produced. All the way from slavery, so like 400 years ago. I mean, this is how it's been. So, for them to tell me I have to work extra, I'm always having this in the side of my mind. I'm like, I just want to be normal. You know, I don't want to actually have to work harder. You know, I just want to be Dorian. I just want to just go to school and not worry about anything. But I had to. I had to actually say, okay, if I'm not getting two plus two right now, then. Uh, I'm gonna fall way behind because nobody is going to actually give me that tutoring or, or make sure that I'm actually advancing in, in my thought and in my knowledge. So, that's one of them for me. Uh, the hoodie uh, resonates with me too. You know, I can definitely attest to that. Uh, my mom and dad wouldn't, uh, they wouldn't buy me hoodies. Uh, it was just crew neck sweaters. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I have not- to have a hoodie when I
0: well you look good in the crew next winter <laughs> <laughs> you know?
2: uh, it's it's that it's that mentality to um, <laughs> coincide with this like hey, this guy has a hoodie on so he might be dangerous, you know I mean, it's called a hoodie for crying out loud you know like, it's um it's a dangerous Dangerous uh, walk that we have to walk, and we have to teach our children the same thing. Mm -hmm.
1: Um, On the hoodie comment, we a couple several months ago we took our kids to Knott's Berry Farm, and they had those little remember those little play guns? Oh, they have the ones that look fake with like the little poppers. You know, you can hear it pop. And then they have the ones that they do look fake, but they're um were they black or were they like silver? Silver finish. They looked more realistic. And the boys, of course, little boys want to play guns and they wanted the more realistic ones. And I think you got them. Just like not thinking about it. And when I saw that, I immediately and I'm not going to remember the name right now, but I remember a story of a little boy um, getting shot for having a toy gun. Tamir Rice. Say that.
4: Tamir Rice in Ohio.
1: And that story immediately came back to my mind and I was like, we can't take these home. We have to return those and get the fake looking ones because there's, I'm not going to take that risk to let my little black sons be running around you know our neighborhood or whatever which they're little they don't really run around but even still i'm like no they're not going to play with those so we took them straight back um and that was like a sad moment cuz i had to i didn't fully explain to them why but i just or um, i did explain to them why but i didn't say it was because of the color of their skin cuz I honestly am still like praying on how to like broach the the race subject with them. But I just explained that if someone thinks you have a real gun, even if you're just playing and you're a kid and they think it's real, that could be considered like scary for them. And they could potentially shoot at you with a real gun. And like the fact that I had to explain that to a five-year-old at the time, a three-year-old that's like the, the country we live in um and then like the trying harder like being the best i can 100 percent relate to that i don't even know if my dad they must have had a conversation of some sort or like it was just understood through osmosis like if i'm going to get along in this world i have to be the best and that's what i that's what I sought out to do, like middle school, graduated. There's this award, Knight, lady of the realm, like earned that award. Uh, high school, graduated top 10 in my class. College, did all the things there. Grad school, like won the favor of all my professors, like got hired to work thereafter, after um, in a position that was held for one person. And that is, like, the mentality that I have lived with. Like, I will, I'm coming into, like, a better understanding of, like, my identity in Christ. But, like, knowing that I have to show these people that I am worthy of love and acceptance. And I don't fit the, quote, stereotype. And that's just something that I think as a Black person you just live with. Um, And it's almost like this false sense of like security or something. Like if I can be the best and I can show them that I'm worthy, then it's going to be okay. At least a little bit more okay for me. Um, And even with that, I remember this one story, this guy in high school, he looked straight at me. He was just another student, but he looked at me straight in the eyes and he was like, Erica, you are so smart and you are so like, talented and so good at everything you do. And I was like, oh, thanks. Like, it was just kind of a weird moment. I was like, thank you for like this compliment. And he's like, it just sucks that you're black. Wow. Because basically none of that's gonna matter. I was like, all right, glad I know where I stand with you. Um, and that's just one story, but yeah such something that you deal with as a black person.
5: Um, Yeah, I mean, talk about Grenade, Dorian. (laughs) There's a lot to unpack here. Um, But uh, yeah, I I can think of a lot of instances. One that's, Erica and I were just discussing this the other day, Um, I didn't really understand it growing up, but now it makes so much more sense to me. you know, my parents always made the point like you guys need to like dress good you need to look good like you don't leave this house without like you know like look at a certain way like and um you want to look presentable was kind of always the term that was used in my household mm-hmm. and um I really I always just I was like yeah it makes sense you know I just kind of accepted that but I don't think it really resonated with me until like now having my own children and thinking about it it's like you know, if my kids go out looking any old way, barefoot, you know, hopping in the car, messy face, whatever, like.
1: Ashy legs. Ashy legs, like,
5: you know, like. <laughs> so we go well. Someone's going to look at us and think, like, oh, that poor black family, you know, oh, they look like they're they're struggling. Like, people don't think about that when they look at an average white family that maybe is the same way. Like, they just don't. Um,
1: it's cute to be dirty when you're right? a little white kid coming from the park and like your face is sweaty and you've got dirt streaks. Like, and I, that's not something that's like said. It's just like one of those things that you just feel and it's not, no one's gonna say that to you, but you can feel, you just get good at like feeling things out and understanding like what the vibe is.
2: Yeah, I mean, so like you don't, don't, are the dirty ghetto kids, yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. And
5: and I mean I think back I knew some of those those kids were and I I kind of had similar thoughts about those like, oh that kid you know he always comes to school with raggedy clothes how maybe he just hasn't get dressed and he just picked up what was on the floor and like they're just like whatever you know and and so it's um there's there's that kind of thing that I, I've picked up on that I was like oh I see why they would say that now because you don't want to be perceived in that way you want to be perceived as you know, an upstanding, you know,
1: citizen citizen
5: of, of the country, you know, or of your community. So
1: mm-hmm.
5: um, that that's one thing. Um, one that I've this is probably the most blatant thing I've seen and, and and it speaks to some of the systematic issues I think in the country um, is particularly when it comes to I've noticed this in healthcare. Uh, and I've seen this happen at least three or four times. Uh, in our experience where we'll show up you know at, at an urgent care or an emergency room for one of our kids or something or, or for one of us or something like that and um, the, the the immediate conclusion that's always jumped to whenever we show up is oh you must be military I'm like oh you have Medi-Cal I'm like,
1: no, no. no I,
5: I don't uh, oh you have Kaiser like
1: um, nothing wrong with those. Things. Wrong it's, with just them, like it's just an like an assumption. Like, like instead of like that? ask, like, just, like what insurance? I wouldn't. Do you have? I wouldn't
5: ask like, to ask somebody that. Like just assume that. I would just be like, what insurance do you have? I don't. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, oh, you have HMO. I'm like, no, I no. And it's just like it's funny how they, some of these kind of things. It's like, wow, where, where is that conclusion getting drawn? Or uh, we had one instance where we took one of our kids into urgent care. And we got kind of one story about treatment for our kid. Um, and we went to the emergency room and there was several options that weren't even presented. I know why they weren't presented because there were more expensive options, but they just assumed like, oh, you, you probably can't afford these. So here's three options. Like, wait, wait, wait. What about this other option? Oh, well, that's an option too. And we can bring that person in to talk about it with you. Um, it's more expensive, but I'm like, I'm not interested in how expensive it is. I want to know what all the options are. Um, and so that was, that was just kind of interesting to me how I, I had seen that. I was like, man, like,
1: like why this, do they assume? That? Why, why is
5: these, why are these things assumed? And I mean, I don't, you don't, you don't know me, you don't know anything about, you know, what I can afford, what I can't afford. Why would you assume certain things? Are you looking at me and assuming that, you know?
1: And you even know. if they're not, you can't help but wonder. And I think that's yeah. the point. And that,
5: and that's, that, that's the thing, right? You, 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 you can't help but wonder those kinds of things. So, um, yeah, those are the things that I've kind of, you, you either figure out how to get ahead of and kind of deal with, or you kind of accept and make sure you correct along the way. Uh, and so, yeah, those those are, are a couple examples. Um, you know, even, even the clothes you choose to wear, you have to think twice about. Uh, you know, like, do I go out in baggy pants and a hoodie? <laughs> and you know, wearing some Jordans or something? Like, you know, am I get seen a certain way if I walk into a store with my hands in my pockets? Or am I going, or am I gonna get, you know, looked at a certain way, get followed around or something like that? Like, um, I, I remember one time, uh, I grew up in, in uh, East County, San Diego. Um, uh, and if, if anybody knows anything about East County, San Diego, yes, <laughs> your, your mind goes there. about all the things about East County, yes. I grew up around there. Um, and so uh, I remember one time we were, my brother and I went to the theater and we just, you know, we're in our casual clothes, like whatever. And we're walking through the theater. And um, at some point we get halfway. We pass a mother with two small children. Um, and as soon as she, like, she makes eye contact with us and immediately disconnects her eyes, looks straight forward, grabs her kids, and starts moving very quickly past us. We're like, like, what, what was just? Did you just see that? We both had the same reaction immediately. We looked at each other, like, did, did you just see what I just saw? Like, why? Why did she feel the need to grab her kids and look at us and then start walking off real fast? Like, we look like we're gonna do something. Like, um, and so th- those are the kinds of things that like you can't help but kind of question um, why certain things happen the way they do, um, and you're not looking for them. That's the thing. Sometimes I'm like, I'm not. I'm not looking for these things. These are just things like kind of happen. I'm like, makes me question. Um, and so there's again where you have to kind of think twice about those those kinds of decisions, uh, what, what, is, what what you wear, you know how you, your your family gets presented, um, you know what you have to stand up for when you, you go certain places, particularly um, uh, in the healthcare industry. So um, yeah, those are are a few of them. Um, I think one of the like ignorances
3: what you were talking about, Tom, um, that people don't understand is I think that almost every single Black person that I've talked to has had a situation like this. Like, every single one of us has had something. And um, I'm, like, multiracial and stuff, and so I think sometimes people, um, like, think I might be exempt from that. Um, But, like, I've had many like situations, like behind closed doors where maybe I had my hair straight that day and I wasn't as tan and they didn't know I was black. And where people have like, you know, had one lady, she was a teacher and this wasn't in Restored at all, it was years ago. And she was basically complaining about all of her black students and how they were so disrespectful and she didn't know what to do with them. And then someone at this dinner party was like, hey, did you know Jackie was (laughs) half-black? I was like, okay, well, that just changed the vibe of the dinner party, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And and then it was on me now to be the voice and speak for all of the black children across America and tell her why they were being not respectful to her. And it was like, well, first off, are you a respectful person? Are you a respectable person? (laughs) (laughs)
1: Right. <laughs> there.
3: Um, but so I think um, and that's just one I mean we, I've had a, a quite a few other ones where people didn't realize I was black and have said some very um, just insensitive and racist things and I think that I think it's good for people to know that this isn't just, ha- it doesn't just happen to like the people that you see in the news. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's It happens to every single Black person. Um, and I think to be more, like, have more empathy and be more understanding um, of
1: the people that are in front of you. Yeah. 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 I'm so um, glad you said that real quick because. I've wondered about that like people that Gabe has a lot of cousins who can pass for white um, their half and um I've always wondered kind of like what that behind the scenes conversation might be and it's like hello like I am who you're like I am the person or the people that you're talking about <laughs> and so I feel like that's like a super important perspective so yeah.
3: Yeah. One of the, one of the situations I encountered, uh, we were overseas and, um, we were in someone's home talking with them and this person didn't know that I was half black and they were starting to tell us a story, um, about like the history of this monument that we had passed by the airport. And the person who had picked us up from the airport had told us, um, oh, like, you know, like that's not a good statue, it's honoring basically when these like tribal people, these African people were like murdered by um, the people who were coming to colonize and how God basically, or they thought that God was on their side. Mm -hmm. And so that was, you know, days before later on um, Mm -hmm. this family they're asking us if we had wanted to go and see the monument and me and my husband are thinking like, wait isn't that the same monument that the other people were telling us wasn't a good thing to go to and they were disappointed that it was there and all of these things and so you know we start this conversation another person that we were with tried to be proactive and saying oh Jackie's half black but the person didn't hear that being said and continued on with you know God was really on their side and Um, he gave them a victory and, you know, it ended up, I think they obviously could start to tell, like, it was bothering me and it, the other person said again, oh, Jackie's half black. And, you know, it came out and, um, it turned into just a really ugly, again, another, another ruined dinner party. Um, but like just a really bad conversation, um, of, uh, something that they really thought, you know, was true and was right. And, um, where I like had to, you know, remind them of certain things in different cultures, um, Mm -hmm. that are not right about that, that aren't right, you know, and, um, at the one point in the conversation, one of the people had said, you know, if this was another race, like they wouldn't have acted the way that they did, speaking poorly of black people, and I had to tell her, "Did you know in America a majority of the serial killers, people who <laughs> chop other people up, you put them in their basement, those are not African Americans.
1: <laughs> those are other
3: <laughs> ethnicities, yeah. so it's not just about one particular ethnicity, it's about other things that are not that.
4: Yeah. So.
0: Oh
4: mm-hmm. um, uh, man, uh, I would I would say one thing that kind of that people would be ignorant to and there's only five of us so if there are other people who do get a chance to watch this um, there is a there's a pyramid that I saw recently and I think that would be pretty helpful it talks about uh, it talks about overt white supremacy and then it talks about covert white supremacy and things that you don't that our brother, white brothers and sisters, who may not know, like how racism and prejudice and this racialization of our society prevails because of ignorance, right? And so I would definitely challenge people to kind of look at that and see the many different ways, because we're only covering a couple of different perspectives here. There are many different ways that that we're, that a lot of people are ignorant to that this prevails: mass incarceration, mm-hmm. uh, redlining. Um, you can even go to something, we're parents, we can even go to something talking about property taxes in school districts and how mm-hmm. our property taxes affect the amount uh, and the property value affects the amount of money that's going to certain schools in certain neighborhoods. So uh, so schools like in Southeast San Diego may not get uh, get as much money as schools in La Jolla and what's not, why? Because, of pro- because we've set it up where property values are like that. Um, so, but... Two things that I want to that I think I will point out that are important is I will go with the the something that um Eric, I just want to call you EJ so bad. I'm just so you used to just That's going straight nigga. <laughs> yeah. I just want to call you EJ. Um, EJ
1: that, perfect.
0: <laughs> that she pulled
4: up that I think is important is that we are more than likely the the exception. To the rule of black people that you're going to meet. Mm. The, edu- the education that we have, the the, the blessings, you know, because we believe that this was God ordained, that He had a hand in this, so that that the uh, that the blessings that our parents have to be able to, to afford to put us in certain situations. Mm-hmm. So when you so when our white brothers and sisters are even Even people of color who are ignorant, who don't know about this, go to, why can't you just pull yourselves up by the bootstraps? Mm. Like, yo, our bootstraps ain't the same. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It it just ain't the same like that. My parents Mm. worked hard. My mom, by God's grace, my mom's mom, my grandmother, put my mom in in a high school that was in a predominantly white, rich neighborhood. And my my grandmother worked her butt off to try to get my mom. My mom was the, my mom and my aunt were the only two out of out of well five were the, were the only two out of five that were able to go to that school. Everybody else went to the the ghetto school that was low in fund uh, low funded. My mom had to pull some strings at the school district to get me in there. So like my experiences, it was by God's grace that I was able to. To be able to do that, it was the military that paid for me to go to Baylor, right? So it's like I had to, I got afforded opportunities that a lot of people didn't get. So don't base your oh Steven did it, yeah, you know EJ got a good got a degree, she did it. Yeah, Jack is Jack is smart, she got it. Dorian, my mm-hmm. man, he he's doing things. Jack, you smart dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know you. <laughs> I was gonna say okay, I don't have
3: a degree.
4: <laughs> hey, you don't, but you're like you present yourself very well, and you're good, and like so people would know that. But we are the exception, mm. a lot of times to the rule that's coming up now. A lot of that's changing with our generation because there are more people our age that are who are African American who are college educated. um But we're still in the minority of people who have graduated college and have gone or have success in certain areas Mm -hmm. right so don't don't look Mm -hmm. at us and think that you can just why can't if Stephen did why can't because I run into that quite often from a lot of my Mm -hmm. white brothers and sisters where they all say that like well you're doing good why can't it's like Mm -hmm. (laughs) you don't know yeah like you don't know everything that went into that uh to get me out of there um and then another thing I would say uh especially because we are Christians and so I I do believe that it is something that needs to be talked about the elephant in the room how Christianity has played a role in in creating, not cr- creating or perpetuating racism throughout the world. Right? It's like Christians are that. They uh, Christians came from Europe to go to Africa with this mindset. We're saving these savage people, these people that don't know any better. They need to hear that. Right. And so then that they impress that on, on them when they went to Africa and do that. Um, a lot of slave owners in the in the South were Christians, and they used the Bible to talk about that. Now that's not saying that they they obviously they were interpreting it wrong, they were reading it wrong. But there are other Christians in the, our present day who still perpetuate who do racist things in there, and so it it it's happening in the church too. So don't just think that it's just this outside, not people in the church thing. No, it's people in the church who are doing the same thing also. And so we can't be even ignorant to that and understanding um, how much the gospel really needs. It's us. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm included. I am in. it's us that we need to be talking to a lot more. And and not just thinking that, oh, those are non-Christians that are out there killing those black people. No, no, no. He probably was sitting next to you last Sunday at church before he got filmed doing that. Yeah. So it's like...
0: Yeah, that's so helpful. Um, I do think that's why that's why I'm so like, glad to be having conversations like this is because you just don't know what you don't know. Um, And I think every human being has blind spots in their life, myself included, I know you guys would agree. And that's why I think relationship is so vital to be able to identify things that you can't identify yourself. Uh, So that I mean, that's so helpful, guys. Um, I want to, I mean, you guys have all talked about Jesus, like we are Jesus people unapologetically. And so maybe I wanna throw this out at you. Considering your personal experience, um, how has the gospel of Jesus personally
1: ministered to you? In light of this conversation. Hmm. I wanna speak about a conversation that I literally just had yesterday with Herrick, actually. And I asked if he would pray for me, so I was not okay. (laughs) And um, he did an ex, Herrick, for anybody who's watching outside, he's um, our other pastor um, that co-leads with Tom. And he, you know, he was like, I just wanna listen for a minute and hear what the Holy Spirit might wanna say. And he had this beautiful image that came to his mind of, um, I believe it was me painting, like this beautiful masterpiece. And after I was done with the masterpiece, someone or something came and tried to mar or you know mess up the work of art that I had been working on. And then in the next, Scene that he saw, that same painting was taken and put in like this fancy museum, like museum, behind a piece of glass. And all of a sudden, the like scar was like the actual scar wasn't removed, but like the darkness of the scar was taken away, and you could just see the outline of it. And he was just like, you know, I don't know if that means, like, if that means anything to you, or like, what, you know, what you think about that. And honestly, like, while he was talking, I had this image, like, as he's describing each part of the scene and like the painting, I had this image of my sons being the masterpiece, um, my daughter too but I just was specifically thinking about my sons because of, you know, the current circumstances and like how much, how much hardship comes to black men in this country. And like, they were the masterpiece, like as a mom, when I look at my babies, they're perfect. You know what I mean? Even in, you know, their sinful nature, like to me, it's like, they can, they can do wrong, but you know what I'm saying? Like, they're just so beautiful. Right. And, um, that's the way i see them that's the way gabe sees them but when the world looks at them right now they're super cute but one day they're going to be adults and the world is going to try to put their like scar on them and try to project their view of what they think these little black boys soon to be black men look like and are and the, picture, the painting being put behind the glass and like the scar still being there, but like the actual, basically it kind of like made it more beautiful almost, like the, just the outline of it, was to me represent, representing Jesus and how no matter what the world says about my sons or my husband or any of us, the way Jesus sees us is perfect because of his sacrifice beautiful and literally at the same time me and herrick like when he he started talking about like the outline of the scar and like at the same time both of us were like oh my gosh like the scars on jesus's hands and feet like they're still there for us to see and like to remember what he did for us and so like in that moment it was just like like this peace came over me of knowing that no matter what I might go through or my sons or my daughter in this world in, re- in relation to race. Um, the way Jesus sees them is perfect and there's hope found in him and him alone really. And the other thing that came to mind, like as we we're talking, and this is of course, like the tears were just like flowing. I was like, wow, <laughs> is that I truly realize, and I think I texted this to you guys the other night but I truly realized like in that moment like oh my gosh like Jesus literally was murdered in the most heinous act of injustice ever and so even in this he not only like sympathizes with us he fully empathizes and understands to the full depth even deeper than any of us could ever understand like what it feels like to be treated as other and different and murdered because of it. But then he rose and it was just like that in and of itself is like all I needed to hear. I was like, okay, Jesus has got it. Like, (laughs) I mean, we still need to have these conversations, but like, and this is such a good start. But in light of all of it, like that's how the gospel for me personally, just very recently has like covered it. And not to say like, I'm still gonna have moments where I am weeping over the injustice because that is the heart of Jesus. But like knowing that he really does see and get it and he's already won is like just beyond. So anyway, that's how the gospel. (laughs) Beautiful girl.
4: And I, I want to just hop in real quick and just say something. Um, Erica, you had, you had said something that I just wanted to say. Um, I, I know a lot of emphasis is being placed on, um, because there are a lot of Black men who are being being killed. Uh, but Black women are also being killed. And, um, and not only that, Black women do face a lot of unseen oppression and suppression behind closed doors and spaces. And me as a man, I have privileges that afford me not to experience the same thing that black women do. So I don't want to, like, y'all, ladies, hats off to y'all as black women surviving. this, watching your, like, watching your sons go out the door, praying that Jesus will will bring them back safely every day, hoping that nothing goes, happens. Like, I, I have my son, but I didn't birth my son. So I don't know something to carry a kid and then have to hope that jesus is taking care of him that the spirit is like with him and protecting him and bringing him back bringing that child back home each day so um just hats off to you ladies but i i would i would uh my encouragement comes from or just my hope in jesus and i've been seeing him minister to me uh, going back to the exhaustion and when i see that there are other people of color who are tired of having what we would say, probably is like a level one conversation. This is like a level one conversation where people who don't know are might are just, this is their first foyer, you know, you're three feet in or you're in the kiddie pool right now on this social justice thing. You're like, I don't know what's happening out there. You're kind of waiting in the kiddie pool, trying not to hurt yourself, right? And there are black people (laughs) and there are black people out there who are, and, and other people of color who are tired of having this conversation. Because they're like, America, we've been trying to have this conversation. You know what, you ain't listening, so now we just about to mess stuff up, right? Mm-hmm. And we don't care. Uh, but my hope in Jesus, in my exhaustion, because a lot of those people are exhausted from having that, but my hope in Jesus, and the, the Spirit just em- gives me energy and, and encourages me to continue to have these small, walk with people, be gracious and kind. Why? Because because of the grace that's been afforded to us. Yeah. Like we didn't deserve anything that Jesus did for us. We don't deserve any blessings, anything that God gives us. Nothing. But because he has done that graciously, and I've experienced that in my life, now I'm able to be patient and walk with other brothers and sisters who, you know, who are fair-skinned or white or who don't know anything about the social justice thing i'm able to walk with that so that's how i've kind of been seeing him minister to me just through the encouragement and the ability to have these conversations and not be frustrated not be tired not want to just you know because i know some people who are just like i don't want to talk about people no more like i don't just want to and like that's like that is for real because of just what's going on and i under and i i can without jesus i can see why they are there uh, but because of Jesus, like, I, I'm grateful in, uh, that he's been ministering to my heart to have hope for him in that.
2: Mm-hmm. Yo, yeah. so, uh, yeah, that's dope. That's dope, Steven. Um, and uh, EJ. <laughs> um, I, I love the whole masterpiece thing. And, um, and yeah, man, the, the exhaustion, you know, resonates uh, with me as well, too, man. But that's um, the beauty of the gospel. Um, because the gospel is like Jesus says and if you're if you're you're weary and um you have your burden, you know, come to him and you know, he'll give you rest. And that's what we have. We have this hope that actually um can mitigate the fact that the world is seeing this chaos and this unrest happen, you know, mm-hmm. in the midst of this uh racial injustice. But we as um Christians when we can speak something else into it, you know, and these opportunities right here, which what Tom is doing, um, creates this awareness, you know, that basically, I mean, it, it, it leads to, Um, I, I want to say, it, it should lead to repentance, you know? So like this type of conversations that we have, you know, and if we continue to have these moving forward, it should do something to somebody's heart. Like That's the gospel working in it, right? And so it's to go from awareness to repentance and then to this this opportunity to express the love of Jesus Christ and then this redemptive, you know, uh, abilities just falls over people and that's all we need, you know? I mean, it's, it's the gospel. That's all we need. That's going to change everything, you know? And when we're speaking in love, you know, to our, our white brothers and sisters, you know, and they have the opportunity to to hear, you know, and become aware, then it, it leads to just beautiful things, you know. Yeah, it still hurts, but the power of the gospel is just is healing, you know. So uh the, what the gospel means to me in my life is is simply everything, you know. Um I try not to shrink the cross, you know? I try to make sure that I understand that my sins are upon that cross as well, you know? And ther- therefore I won't become self-righteous or judging, you know, my my white brothers and sisters for their ignorance, you know? Or for their plausible denial, you know? Um, it's it's everything, it's everything, you know? So I love the fact that we're actually having the conversation, you know? and. Uh, I love the fact that people are going to actually see this and then say, Hey, you know, I'm tr- starting to understand. And then honestly, like, like what you said too, Stephen. we're not the only ones, you know, like we got to encourage people to um, go and listen to people that has been doing this for like in the trenches. They've been doing this forever. Right. You know, like there's dope books out there that we can read, you know, like we're doing this book, Stephen, together. Um, there's, there's great podcasts. There's um uh, there's great um, theologians that, you know, are in the trenches on this as well, you know? So go out there and just uh, listen and learn and read it, you know? So, yeah, mm-hmm. that makes any sense, I don't know. <laughs> it does. <laughs> I think, um,
3: I think for me, the way the, like the gospel is um, the most encouraging Um, is because it, it gives us, I'm talking specifically about Christian brothers and sisters, um, it gives us all the same identity to cling to, and kind of equals the playing field in a sense. Um, I know for me personally, um, knowing my identity, even just from a racial standpoint, standpoint has been difficult my entire life. I've never felt white enough. I've never felt black enough. I've never felt Puerto Rican enough. And I did my 23 andme me and our Puerto Ricans were Spanish. So it's like, we can't, I can't, I don't even know if I should say Puerto Rican anymore. <laughs> um, so it's just, I feel like when I'm reminded of Jesus and I, I was thinking about this today and I was like, like Jesus, like he wasn't bilingual, but he was like bi universal. <laughs> like, you know what I
5: mean? Um, <laughs> hey, <that was> <laughs> so
0: good, <alive>. Jack. <laughs> Your brain no me, me trademark on that. <laughs> <laughs>
3: um, but just like this reality of him being fully man and fully God, having um, his own identity um, and being so confident and secure in that and then extending that to us. Um, as an identity to cling to just felt so just amazing and I think that for us to really be able to have more conversations with people that are different with us but do hold the same like legitimately not just in their convictions not just in their words but in their deeds hold that to be true um, I think we can really have more conversations that are meaningful and, and Impactful and um, um, where we can learn, where we can all learn.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: So, yeah. Yeah, for me, um, I, w- what resonates is it's just, I, I just get a sense of peace. Um, and it's, I think, really in that um, I don't have to have hope in man, because I, I this is this isn't going to go away anytime soon. Right? I mean, we can have lots of education. I think good. I think it's important to have conversations. But I mean, said earlier, we live in a broken world, and these these kinds of things are going to continue to happen. Um, and it's important that people learn from it. But I, I know I can I can have peace in my heart about these things when I see them happen. That you know God has a master plan, and that um, in the end He wins and the world will be made right um, under him. So I, I, I have that hope in that. Um, and then uh, Jackie, you, you spoke about. I mean, yeah, that that common identity um, really. Uh, I I have a lot of um, strong feeling in that way too, about you know we have this this common um, identity in Christ and yeah. and what Christ. And God have kind of called us to, um, to live out as, as Christians, and I think we can we can really rally around that. And you need to um, help further educate people, point them back to the gospel, fundamentally about you know what what is what does Jesus say about these things? How how should we react to these things in love? Um, and that that also um, inspires me too to think about how. How can I respond in love when I see situations if I, I, I mean, I I personally have a hard time watching any kind of film about, like, any of that kind of black history, because I usually walk away and I'm kind of angry, because I'm like, stuff happens, so, like, I have a hard time watching it, and just settling my heart in that kind of stuff, to be able to have peace with it, and and find love to, to share with people, and um, be pointed back to Christ, um, through through the gospel and and the good news of the bible is is what um i have a lot of hope in and uh yeah i hope we can we can continue having conversations of this and, and pointing each other back to christ and how how christ wants us to love one another um through these situations and counseling and just being reminded of you know how would jesus react to these situations how how would you respond uh, we look at the way he lived his life and the people that he embraced, you know, it wasn't the people that had all the right answers, you know, that were doing all the right practices, you know, he was, he was talking to outcasts in society um, and he was, he was ministering to them. He was, he was, you know, uh, I think of like Matthew, right? A tax collector, like, want to be friends with that guy. Right, like you—that's <laughs> that's, that's the, the one of the you know dirtiest jobs in, in in the ancient world. You know, to be that guy, and Jesus saw his heart, um, and so I, I think wherever people stand on issues, thinking about like how can uh, I live out the gospel to love people in that way, to find people who are who are broken. have that brokenness and and point them to christ and and by renewal uh, is is what what encourages me so
0: yeah. yeah guys i love hearing all of your heart um for renewal for for god making things the way that they're supposed to be through his people empowered by his spirit and um, I know I've kept you long, so I want to give you one more question if you're okay with this. Uh, you guys cool for one more. It's super practical. We should be able to do it quick. You with this? Okay. Uh, super practical. Okay. Help. Help. Okay. This is a helpful question. What's the best way that Christian brothers and sisters can reflect the love of God to the Black community? And, and maybe in layman's terms, how do you want to be loved? You people talk about love languages all the time, you know, like, this is the way that I feel and experience love and that's all that's great. But like, I think some of that, um, you can't cookie cutter that. Um, but I also think that there are certain experiences that it's really helpful to tailor and to customize love and to be intentional and thoughtful and very personal because that's what Jesus does with us. So, mm-hmm. just for you personally, even maybe maybe not not to speak on the entire Black community, uh, but no funny pressure with that. But just just to be helpful, how can how can brothers and sisters in Christ outside of the Black community love the Black community?
3: Um, I could start. I think I think to like be loved is to be known, for starters, and. Mm-hmm. I think if you, um, like outside of the black community, like if you have friends that are black, like I think you should know what kind of things they've been through. I think you should ask. If you have close friends that are black, you should ask them like, hey, what what kind of things have you been through? Like, if would you be willing to share that with me? Like, I wanna know more about you. I wanna know more about your story. I wanna know more about you know what your experience has been um in this life so far um, mm-hmm. um i think that's the biggest uh like gift you could give someone is like to listen to them um mm-hmm. and to be known um and um like loved. Mm-hmm. that's so
0: great yeah.
4: i would i would say um Step one is to ask to be known. I mean, ask us, uh, other people of color around you, and and talk with them uh, about their experiences, their story, where they've been, things that they've done. Ask and don't don't speak. You can you give you can give your customary apology. I'm sorry that that happened. know, we take that apology. Uh, go ahead and take that. Uh, and, you know, um, don't try to individualize or try to um individualize your experience and say like, oh, but I'm not like that though. It's like, yeah, you're not like that, but the system's like that. <laughs> we all live in the system, right? So don't try to write that off, um, but ask and don't speak. Just let us tell our story. Um, let us tell you what's been going on, our fears, our concerns. Um, and then after asking and hearing our story, learn ask us what are what are things that ask us what are things that you can use ways that you can begin to educate yourself on on what's going on uh, because again going back to a lot of what we're experiencing here in America is not overt racism anymore it's not you're not really seeing the KKK walking around I mean I will tell you, yeah, yeah, yeah. they was out there in your homeland, out there the- a couple of weeks ago. It, it was. was. There.
0: Were they were they yeah. marching in San Diego? No, no man. know. Oh
4: but someone
3: no, wore do- a mask into like a it, bond for a it's
4: face it's covering. Oh, Clancy. San was walking around with the, with the KKK.
0: You, <laughs> you know what I mean to laugh, but that's just ridiculous.
4: Hey. Uh, and he didn't, like, people just took, nobody said anything. Like, they just took pictures of him and just let him, like, do, I mean, there are people who probably did say something to him, but it was like, a, oh, yeah, that's great. Keep doing it. You know, it's it's whatever. Like, it's, it's a novelty type thing. And it's like, okay, then, but we live out there. <laughs> people kind live of out, live out in East County. Like, what are we supposed to do with that? Yeah. Right? Like, how does that make me feel when... I can you know when um Lord, forgive me, uh George George got killed yeah, uh, a couple of days ago, right, police was on him about something, but then you got this man walking around here with something blatantly offensive, and they're just taking pictures. that's cool, you're good, all right, so anyways, let's mm-hmm. ask us our story and and um ask us how can you educate yourself? Um, and we definitely will love love to walk with you through that and point you out yeah, yeah.
2: You know, I think um I think um so far what i 've heard is empathy, and um yeah, yeah, for our white brothers and sisters, I think um, you start there, you start with empathy, and the way you do that just by you guys actually saying it is um is is listening, you know um and lending that ear, you know but also, too, like, like, uh, like I, I think apologies are, are great, you know, um, whether it's a customary apology or, or a deep, heartfelt apology. Of course, you want the latter of that deep, heartfelt apology. But uh, if we're speaking in uh, just the realm of Christianity and uh, having the gospel really identify us, right, then I think our white brothers and sisters would actually be sorrowful You know, because Jesus was all about, you know, justice, you know? He didn't like the injustice that's going on, you know, and he doesn't like it today, you know? you find yourself um, kind of not actually understanding or caring about it, then I I think it becomes problematic, you know? And that's where I think um, Blacks would majority turn you off like okay well they're trying to tell their truth and minimize my truth you know instead of actually understanding and being empathetic to it you know um so for me it it goes all the way back to just awareness You, you need to know you need to know you know and then i mean then it's the repentance you know there has to be some kind of form of repentance and then there's that redemptive you know, quality about it all, you know, I think those three things right there, if if I may, that's everything, you know, um, it's it's the gospel just brought into the forefront, you know, um, so I, I think, yeah, so sit down and listen, have these conversations, um, take somebody out for a coffee or for a beer or whatever, you know, and Really, sit down and empathize um, with each other, you know. And I, I can even speak to just like uh, us blacks, like we we can't um, <laughs> we we can't not allow them to to speak their truth as well, you know. Like th- there there has to be both ends, you know. Like after they're done listening. Listen to them, too, you know, because it it has to go both ways, because if it's not, then it's just this one sided conversation and your white brothers and sisters will walk away even more defeated. And that's what you don't want. You know, you want them to be encouraged to actually say, yeah, I get it now. You know, I'm going to go have these conversations more and more and more, you know, until we actually come to this understanding like, like, hey, you know, we're not you know, restricted by our blackness. You know, we're rooted in it, but we're not restricted by it, you know? Um, we're defined by who Christ is, you know, just as well as you are, you know? So that's it for me. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah.
5: in my mind, it's um, a few things. Um, and some of these guys are already kind of covered, but uh, you know, definitely empathy, listen without an agenda. I think is is really key. Uh, I, I've been I've been privy to several conversations where it's like someone has an agenda. They're listening and they're waiting just to get their next line in to be, like, and here's all my points to to defend why I feel this way about whatever you said. And it's like just, just listen without an agenda. Mm-hmm. Just just listen. Be empathetic, um, and and I think share uh, share mm-hmm. with people. Mm-hmm. So that you can educate people within your community who maybe don't know as well. Yes. Uh, you know, that's, that's one of the, the powerful mediums we have of social media today is to be able to do things like that and, and just bring just bring it to people's awareness. Because um, mm-hmm. uh, and, and in I, 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 all this stuff we're talking about, we're all human beings here, and we mm-hmm. life is sacred of anybody, you know. And mm-hmm. everyone's someone's father, mother, daughter, sister, friend, son, like, cousin, you know, we're, we're all, we're all part of this, this world, and, you know, we mean something to somebody somewhere, mm-hmm. uh, and I think helping people kind of connect at that level and, and see the humanity in, in all of this mm-hmm. um, is, I think, what, how we get kind of beyond some of these things, and, mm-hmm. and, start to, to see each other as, as human beings and not as as you know black as white as you know red brown Republican Democrat you know you name it like mm-hmm. Christian non-christian like it's, it's let's let see each other for for the human beings that we are and, and um, I think in in that we can open that conversation to white people back in Christ mm-hmm. uh, and, and have that that heart
1: mm-hmm. so. look at it yeah yeah i agree with what everyone has said um so far um a couple things that have been encouraging to me over the past couple weeks is um friends actually reaching out whether it's via call or text or message on social media and Take, like taking that brave step to say, hey, like, I just can imagine how awkward that might be for someone, but like then stepping outside of their self and saying like, this happened. I know it didn't happen to you directly, but you are my black friend and I wanna know how you're doing. And that has been so like powerful and life-giving to me and has, you know, brought just such a sense of like, even more hope, like, okay, God is working in the hearts of people. Um, I listened to a podcast the other day and, you know, the injustice and the the problems that we see in our country, they were saying, you know, those took centuries to create and we're only decades into trying to heal that. It's going to take some time. you know it's not like we're gonna wake up you know in a few days and racial reconciliation is going to be at hand like it's going to take lots of time and it's never going to be perfect but just those one like person to person like i see you and i'm here to cry with you if you need to i'm here to talk with you i want to know you it's huge um And even before we hopped on this call, I was like, it just, I know that it was love like that caused Tom to reach out. But I was like, this is love. Like this literally is love. Like love is so much in action. And the fact that, you know, Tom, like you reached out to say, I want to hear your story. And even if it's, we only have a limited, limited amount of time, right now it's the beginning of something beautiful that i think um can spark other hearts and minds to want to do the same so yeah just uh reaching out to your black friends making more than one black friend (laughs) like that would be pretty loving to me to be honest like if i could not only be the only one that would be pretty cool um because again exhaustion But, um, and then the other thing, just in light of, like, really sort of the hard conversations of, like, the specific injustices that we've seen in the news, um, kind of nodding to what Gabe said about listening without an agenda, when someone tells you that a family member died or committed suicide or... Uh, Was killed in some sort of accident like the human response and, and you're you're expressing your hurt and your pain the human and like empathetic and loving response is to listen Like ask how they're feeling and just sometimes to like be quiet and just like sit with them in their pain The response that is not helpful is to rattle off another deflective story of some other situation that happened that may be similar, that happened to someone of another race or like just some other story or statistic to try and like either validate or invalidate like what that person is experiencing to you or to say, well, we don't have all the facts. Like that kind of, talk and rhetoric is like really the opposite of love um you know when someone dies you don't ask them your your friend, you know well what were all the facts that contributed to that death and like was there something else that could have been done differently or what do you think would happen if they would have you know tried this path instead of that path like do you think that would have made a difference like that's really 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 hurtful and so i think just being slow to want to fix it and make it right uh and just like we've all said like just listening uh it's just it it it's what keeps the conversation open uh so that way more can happen uh more conversations can happen and more unity so that would be what i'd have to say yeah
0: guys i just want to um I know we've, we've gone longer than I asked you to. So I really appreciate your um, willingness to share and be honest. Um, And all, all of you have just been so honorable. I feel like on this call, and that says a lot about your character. And it says a lot about, honestly, it says a lot about Jesus's um, hand on your life and his influence over you. Obviously, hopefully you know this. I love and respect each of you so much. Just as brothers and sisters in general. Um, But hearing more of your story and your experience, um, my heart has been moved um, in very personal and unique ways in the past couple of weeks, couple months, really. Um, and even on this call, my heart has been moved with more empathy um, and with more love. And I do believe that's driven by the spirit of God in me as well. So I just want to say thank you, uh, bless you um, so much respect and admiration for each of you. I just want to, I want to end this call. Um, I want to steal a prayer. Okay, I'm going to steal a prayer from Jesus. In John chapter 17, he's praying to God the Father, um, and he's literally praying for us. He's praying for all of his his disciples, past, present, future. He's looking ahead and he's praying, and he says this in John 17, um, verse 21. This is Jesus' prayer that I'm stealing. (laughs) Speaking about us. May they all be one as you father are in me and i am in you may they also be in us so that the world may believe you sent me my prayer i just want to pray really quickly is that empathy really would lead to more unity across the board and man would make so much of jesus and would reflect what he's like um, to people who maybe don't maybe haven't tasted and seen the greatest love of all so will you pray with me quick guys and we can end this thing god thank you for tonight that is our prayer holy spirit that you would lead each of us into unity unity with each other and unity with you that's your desire jesus Um, and because you are changing us through your spirit to be more like you in ever increasing ways that is our desire let that rise up in us and let us be men and women um who empathize who um, maybe even sacrifice our time and energy to gain understanding that we might might not have. um, And let that unite us. All of us have something in common. We're made in the image of God. So I pray that, um, yeah, I pray that your kingdom would come, your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And all of us would experience you as the good and beautiful and amazing king that you are. So we love you, Jesus. Unite us in your holy and beautiful name we pray. Amen. hey okay, guys, seriously, love you so much. Thank you for doing this and putting up with me for gosh, what is it? An hour and a half. Uh thank your children as well in your stop.
2: <laughs> Let's do it again.
0: Let's do it again, man. Amen.
1: I'm in. I'm in. You so much. This was great. And it was so great to see all of you guys. <laughs>
4: Yeah. <laughs> Much love, y'all. Thanks,
1: guys.